Hello and uh, welcome to this, the first online video that the Museum of Communist Terror has attempted. I am uh, James Bartholomew, I'm the director of the museum, and our guest tonight is a man I first met a year and a half ago in Timisoara, um, which two years ago I had never heard of. Um, and yet what I discovered there when I went to this conference where I met Jolt was that there was an extraordinary story behind the beginning of the revolt against Ceausescu. And, um, and Jolt was right there, uh, a, a, a first-hand witness. Um, the, there will be a Q&A after, after I've done an interview, and there's a Q&A button at the bottom of your screen. If you, if you, if you, if you pass your, your finger over, the, over your, your, your mouse, you'll get a, a thing at the bottom of the screen that says Q&A. So by all means, put in questions whenever you, whenever you like, um, and uh, we will come to them at the, at the end of the interview. Um, Jean was born in 1968, so in 1989, when these events took place, he was um, a, a doubtless an enthusiastic and vigorous 20-year-old, um, and um, he, um, he went on up subsequently to be a member of the Romanian parliament, and um, he was then a lecturer at Partium Christian University, and then head of cabinet at the European parliament for Laszlo Turkes, who, as you will hear, is central to this whole, whole story. And he's currently on the board of the platform of European memory and conscience. But before I start talking to Jolt, I want to show a little video of him, which me, we made uh, in 19, uh, 2019 at the very place where the, the whole thing began. Yeah, this was the place where people gathered together on 15th of December to be witnesses on the illegal removal of uh, Pastor Laszlo Turkish, and that's how the Romanian revolution started. So people came here, at that time were less cars than now, so there were more space here, and the flat of the priest was over there and the office was uh, behind and uh, first afternoon 100-150 people came then they started to light candles and to sing and next day more and more people come and they stopped the tram line over there and that's how people became to be more and more and from here, from this square, and from this house, the popular uprising started, which was ended in uh, demolishing the wall of silence and to change the communism in Romania into democracy. Where was the, um, tell me about where the, the secret service, the security hardy car was, where was that? This house in late 1989 was permanently surveilled. So they had a hidden photographer in that house. As far as I remember, on level one, they had um, a rented or occupied 
room and they made pictures from there and the on the next side of the road there will be there was a um, vehicle a Skoda S100 and a Secretate agent permanently stayed inside the car and two other uh, agents usually two agents were around so those who entered and who came out from the uh, door in uh, this door were asked what are you doing we want to see your ID he or she was registered and sometimes they took people to the Securitate to interrogate. Yeah, yeah. So where was the Skoda? I want to know where exactly it was. The Skoda was over there, yeah. the next uh, corner, and an, another vehicle was in the last weeks here on that corner. Right, so um, I hope that came across to everybody. Um, uh, getting some feedback. Um, the, um, so Zolt, what was life like in Romania? Uh, let's start at the beginning. We'll try and go chronologically. What was life like in Romania in 1989 in, in terms of ordinary life and in terms of freedom of speech and things of that sort? Good afternoon, James, and uh, thank you for your invitation. It's a nice occasion uh, for us to share our thoughts and our uh, experiences. Uh, when I've seen the movie, I, I, I felt moved a bit because it is a rare occasion in the life of um, a human being to be witness in, uh, at a, such a moving event, uh, to be witness to history, in fact. Because from that square, the revolution started. I was a student in Timisoara, and you are right. The communist Romania was an, a state, a dictatorship, a totalitarian regime, as George Orwell described it in his famous book, 1984. So I felt when I read that book, three months before the revolution, I felt that I live that book. I, I'm living in that book. So life was said uh, in one word, uh, it was like being in a hole without any possibility to escape, without any stare, any help. And of course, it's, it's, it's even symbolic that the revolution started from, uh, from a church. Because the only thing, the only, uh, uh, the only stable point was the trust of people in a better life, in, in a future, in their dignity. So I was a student and I felt, um, I, I, I was studying buildings engineering, Timishara was relatively uh, um, a good city. I mean, in the whole country, food was rationed. I mean, we got portion for each. For example, my family, a family of four, we got uh, 200 grams of butter per month. Now that's not a lot, is it? That's not a lot. 
So our Hungarian relatives and uh, tourists who came to Oradea, as our city is very close to the border, they always bring coffee, cheese, um, salami, anything what was food, but also shampoo for, or um, soap, because even elementary things were missing elementary articles were missing uh, from, the, from the shops. So there were long queues and uh, even the bread in some areas of the country, even the bread was on portions, rationed. Yeah, I, I remember going through Bucharest in 1982 and that image there, which was up at the moment of an empty chilled cabinet was one that I saw in, um, in Bucharest. Yes, that's right. Uh, this image is very good because shows that uh, uh, the, the usual image of, of a shop, of a food shop, a food store, and in case of a new transport was arriving, then it disappeared in a, an hour or two hours. So those lucky who were eventually walking on the street to get something rare, uh, they, they were lucky in these uh, terms. But I remember, for example, that I've seen orange when I was 16 first. My mother was able to procure two oranges from somebody who wanted to make a nice gesture to her before Christmas, and she was very happy that for Christmas, my brother and myself, we got an orange. Wow. So tell me about, um, uh, you, you, you've told me in the past about uh, informers. So you would, you would, there would be informers even at the university. So can you tell me, you know, how could you tell who was an informer? Did, did anybody try to persuade you to become an informer or anything of that sort? Yes, the communist system and the secret service, the famous Securitate, that was the name of the communist secret service in Romania, they used spies. They usually they paid them or they blackmailed them because most of the people was not willing to cooperate with them. But that's why they surveilled and if they, they haunted practically um, normal civilians. And when they found out with a small illegal thing or something, they immediately tried to capture and to force him to cooperate. First, they signed a declaration that they will report everything which they find and they will hear. And then they started to report about people who they know. So, uh, were you approached yourself? Were you approached? Was anybody? Did you detect anybody? Did you suspect anybody? Yes, of course. In, in my that. class, for example, at the university, we expected two or three guys that they have relations with the Securitate, and one of them came into my room in my in the dormitory asking what kind of books do you have jolt because uh, they knew that i am hungarian so we were maybe even better surveilled in in 
in some terms, because they expected Hungarians to be enemies of the system, especially in late 80s when the Ceausescu's communist system became a nationalistic, chauvinistic one. And this guy came and asked me, what kind of books do you read? I want to, to see that. And I have innocent books, poems, etc., etc. And I was aware that I should give him a good answer. And I told him that, come on, I'm reading only legal books. I do not make any illegality. And he immediately realized that I am not his man. So um, the general feeling was the, the, the general mistrust. And this was the most uh, suffering uh, thing which affected people, that the trust between people, the, the communities were strongly affected by the fact that everybody expected the other that he or she could report me at the Secretariat. Okay, so can we move on then to um, your first meeting with Laszlo Turkish? Can you tell me um, what you were told before meeting him and what your impression was when you did meet him? Yes, um, as a Hungarian student, I was um, trying to find out the community life of the Hungarian students in Timisoara. And I heard about a priest who, who started to speak out against the system every Sunday at the mass. And more and more people came there. And I asked my friends that, do you know the priest? What's going on there? Uh, let's go in a Sunday and uh, see. <clears throat> and uh, one of my colleagues who was not uh, a spy, who was not uh, an agent of the Securitate, told me that Jolt is very dangerous to go and to meet Mr. Turkish because he is speaking freely in order to provoke people and then he is reporting uh, people to the Securitate. In fact, the Securitate tried to isolate him because they realized that uh, he could bring together people and his message have echo. So they tried to neutralize and to isolate him by this fake information, which they spread among the students, that in fact, Mr. Turkish is not um, a revolutionary, but he is an agent. Of course, after the revolution, 10 years after when I asked my files, um, I found out that I was controlled by the Securitate, by the same officer who controlled Mr. Turkish. And every two weeks or every month, he was asked to do a report, what kind of influence have the priests on the students? And luckily I escaped somehow, so I never been interrogated because the relationship with Mr. Turkish. But in 1988, when I was introduced to Mr. Turkish by one of my friends, we had a talk of 30 minutes and I felt immediately that this priest is right. He is a right person. 
he he is sincere. He he could not be an agent because his uh, vision is very clear: what is good and what is bad. So from this point of view, his message every Sunday was impressive and deep because people and the believers who came in this church uh, every week, they felt that finally somebody have courage to say something. Of course, he always respected legality. He never said that uh, we should uh, fight uh, violently against the system. No, he always remained in in the terms of uh, he he in fact he's he was on the limit of of legality what sort of thing did he say he he practically every week he reported what happened with his family inside the church he he was a protester he was a, a revolutionary because he always wanted more. And he always claimed that the statute of the church, the Hungarian Protestant church, should be respected. At that time, his bishop was also an agent of the Securitate. It was very usual that the top of a system was captured by the Securitate in order to control the whole institution. It's, it was the same when, uh, when we talk about education or big factories or a church, they tried to control the head. Now, Mr. Turkish always said something personal because his family supported him. And uh, every week, somebody from his family came because in 19... 88, he started to have problems with the Securitate. Yes, tell, tell us about that. Tell, tell us about what, what kind of pressure did the Securitate put on him? I can say you, I can tell you what happened with us. He invited us, young students, to do a recital. Uh, I mean, poems oh, to be, yeah. poems, yeah, in the church. That was in 1988, October. Was this theatrical and, or world musical? Uh, no, it were just poems. Poems, okay. Uh, very, very little music, and uh, the the church was full when we presented first time our uh, recital, and he announced that this program, this recital, would be repeated in uh, before Christmas, and. The Securitate came in a week or two and suggested us by somebody not to go to the priest and not to repeat for second time the recital. And then we started to think what to do because that was legal to, to, to go and to do a recital. But of course, they started to threaten the students and to isolate the priest. Finally, we decided that we should be uh, stand together with the priest, Mr. Turkish, and we repeated in uh, November 
the, the recital. And then our amateur theater was closed as a punishment of this, although we tried to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the existence of the amateur group of, uh, of students. Then uh, he announced it at the mass during the, the liturgy. And of course, more and more people came and the Securitate started to threaten him and to threaten people who were helping Mr. Turkish. So and it was an attack on him, wasn't there? At one point there was an attack? Yes, that's Tell right. Tell us about that. It, it was a very dubious attack because uh, three men in... Um, Alaclavas? Uh, yes, covered with masks, with black mask and... Um, with black clothes entered in his house um, afternoon, I mean, it was not at night, afternoon, and uh, they tried to, to insane uh, uh, a robbery. But it was clear a pressure on him, a psychological pressure. His uh, wife was pregnant and the attackers did not expect it that he will defend his family. So we started to fight. And the, 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 one of the attackers was uh, pushed down with a chair and he, he was a really good uh, construction uh, man. I mean, he had force and the attackers entered in panic. And they ran away because they did not expect it that Mr. Turkish will start to fight. Yeah. And of course, next week, he, after the pray, he said that our family was attacked and we expect the Securitate that uh, uh, we, we don't know who was that, but probably uh, the Securitate uh, have some relation with this attack, etc. And of course, the part, the Communist Party and the Securitate was extremely disturbed. So they went to the bishop and asked him to remove this priest because this priest is creating problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, the priest decided, yes, this should, this should be the decision of the church that we should remove this priest. Um, having the fact that the church is a Presbyterian church, the Presbyterium stand together and continue to support his priest. When you and say the Presbyterian, Presbyterian you mean the congregation, is that right? The congregation, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry for uh, this. Right. The congregation said, no, we do not allow our priest to be removed. So we stand with him and we continue to modernize and to build up the church, because there were constructions in the church. In 1989, in the summer, the first victim of their resistance was, uh, was uh, uh, found dead in the forest, probably killed by the Securitate. His name is Ernő Uivarosi. His death is uh, not investigated fully, not even now. So 
the community supposed that he was tortured, interrogated, tortured, and then killed by the Securitate because he was the engineer who helped a lot the congregation and the priest. That was in July 1989. And the second part of uh, 89 was really hard because Mr. Turkish was under house arrest. So he was not allowed to go out from his uh, church and from his house. The church was on level, on the first level. He stayed on the ground floor and for, to do the mass, to do the service every Sunday, he was not uh, obliged to leave the building. So the Securitate placed the surveillance cars and the surveilling agents in the front of the house. And he and his family were surveilled 24 hours per day. Yeah, and then, and then there was the, um, the interview, the Canadian interview. Can you tell us about that? What happened? Yes, they knew that the whole house is bugged. And two courageous Canadian um, journalists yeah. managed to send a cameraman and the, and the uh, reporter to Mr. Turkish. And they went up to the place where the core is staying. The gallery, the gallery where the choir is. The, the gallery, exactly. Because the, the gallery was not bugged. Everywhere in the church and in the house, the Securitate managed to place microphones. So the whole space was bugged, but not the gallery. Yeah, so, so the picture we're, show, we're seeing now is the picture of the main body of the church. The gallery is literally above where we are stand, where the camera is, is situated and is also made of wood in a very similar style. Exactly. And somehow, with a little luck, they managed to take the interview out and it was broadcasted in Canada and later on also in Hungary. Um, now, the significance of the Hungarian broadcast is that it could be heard on the, in the area of Romania close to the Hungarian border. Is that right? Exactly. That was very important because in Hungary, the perestroika and the glasnost, the process of softening the communist system started several years ago before. So when Romania reached in 89, the hardest point, of the communist regime, then Hungary, in contrast with this, they opened the system. So more and more um, free interviews were allowed by the party and the censorship uh, in the TV. And also this interview, luckily, was broadcasted by Olajos Krudinak in the famous panorama um, Panorama program, which was the program of the Foreign Affairs uh, news in and the so, Hungarian. So people in Romania actually, uh, some of them could see this interview and could see that he was saying these things. Yes, me myself, I've seen that. And it was um, 
shocking for me that I was student in Timisoara. Every Sunday I was in the church, but I have no clue about this interview. And this was right, because of course uh, it should be kept in secret. Otherwise, the whole uh, interview and the uh, transport of the of the the cassette the it was the, secretly the, taken out of the country. The cassette take, was secretly take it out. Of out. course, at that time there was no internet. And though, then presumably the Securitate was even more determined to get rid of, uh, of, of Mr. Turkish. And uh, so that led to him being told, right, you will be leaving and you will definitely be leaving. And on this, on this particular date, on the, what was it, the, um, the, the 15th of December. Yes, that's right. Uh, Mr. Turkish uh, was announced by his bishop that the police uh, will come to evacuate him by force. And he said that this evacuation is illegal because the congregation uh, chose the priest and the priest wants to stay. So the bishop had no right to remove uh, his priest. And he asked the congregation okay. and the believers and those who were in the church to come and to be witness of this illegal evacuation. And we went there on the 15th in order to be witnesses, of course. We, at the first moment, there were only 50, then 100, then 150. And we started to sing um, religious songs, um, religious songs like uh, we trusted you from the very the first moment, God, etc., etc., and next day, also Romanian. Did the security guard come? The security guard came or not? Yes, of course, they they were there. But I think when they seen that a, um, the crowd community gathered together, mm. they decided to wait. Yeah, they decided to wait because they wanted to resolve this issue for, at the first moment, not by force, but smoothly. Yeah, quietly. And so the next day, the crowd came again, is that right? Yes, they, and also overnight, the, especially the elder people stayed there with a candle in their hands. So practically the church and the house of the priest was guarded by the congregation and by the believers, by candles, say, protesting practically against the illegal evacuation. Next day, the Romanian believers came, first the Baptists, and then also other Romanian believers, and the people uh, started to be more and more. Of course, we've seen the Secretata agents, so they surveilled the building always, and they had civilians, of course, not in the uniform. They, in fact, there were no policemen there. Only the secret service agents in uh, disguised in, in, in civilians. And uh, on the 16th afternoon, uh, somebody stopped the tram, which is very close, like 50 meters at the corner. And from the tram, Everybody came there asking what's going on here. 
and the people started to be more and more and more. So that's how... Can we, can we have the tram picture? I think we got a picture of the tram that was, I think it was taken by the Securitate themselves. Yes. Uh, I hope we'll be able to come up in a moment. Yeah, the tram was stopped, yes. Go yes, on. and when, when we were around 1,000, 1,500, it's very oh, wow. difficult to estimate. Uh, yeah, and a lot of trams. You see this very old communist-style trams uh, at that time. And uh, this was, this picture was taken uh, from a building, as you see. It's not from uh, the level of the people. It's from a building, from the up. And uh, somebody stopped the first tram, then the second tram, etc., etc. And uh, somebody went on the tram and made a short speech. And I remember exactly what he was saying. He said that in Czechoslovakia, in Hungary, in Poland, in East Germany, there is an open process. They started to open the system. Why not in Romania? So we want heating in our houses. We want bread. We want to. We want human dignity. At the first moment, they nobody said down with the communism or down with the dictatorship. In the first moment, because in '87 there was a riot in Brussels where the workers protested against uh, the unhuman. Uh, conditions and later on many of them were interrogated and killed so and people knew that so at the first moment uh, this was the message at the cer certain point in the afternoon at around let's say 6 six thirty afternoon somebody said let's go to the party headquarters but hang on, before you go to that, but before you go there, Jolt, wasn't there some uh, more singing again? Was there not singing of the Romanian? Yes, yes. Uh, the song Deșteaptă-te Române, Wake Up Romanians, which was a forbidden song, uh, some small groups started to sing that song. Sincerely, I haven't heard that song before because it was forbidden. My family or my friends did not talk me. So I realized later on that it was the Stapte Romina, which is actually the official hymn of Romania. Yes. Um. Yes. Okay. So um, uh, that's great. Um, yes. So then you, you, you had the Romanian uh, anthem, uh, or what became the Romanian anthem. And then after that, you said you were saying, someone said, uh, uh, did anybody say down with Ceausescu at that point or not? No, no. At the first, when the first crowd started from Mario Square, from the church. This, this the, is on the 16th, isn't it? On the 16th yes. of December, yeah. To the party headquarter, there is a walk of, let's say, 20 minutes. Yeah. Nobody said down with Ceausescu. I remember clearly that they said um, unitate, unity. They said fera violenza, no violence. Yeah, this is the building of the uh, party headquarters. And 
at a certain point, the crowd started to, to say Gorbachev, Gorbachev. So even Gorbachev, the last secretary general of the Soviet Communist Party, was a positive uh, personality compared with Ceausescu. And uh, when we arrived here in the front of the building, we, we were hundreds. I mean, maybe 600, 700 people, 1,000. And some courageous men entered in the building and started to throw out the books about Ceausescu and the communist books about the ideology, the communist ideology. And in half an hour, maybe 40 minutes, um, a special unit arrived and they guarded the front of the building and uh, they started to to apply the tear gas against us. But before that, um, a vehicle, a big vehicle, fireworker vehicle came, which was attacked by the crowd. And the soldier was taken out, but not beaten. Because even when the soldier entered in panic and making the vehicle to go back and he hit uh, a tree and the car stopped and the pe people gathered there, attacked the, the car, the vehicle, and they took out the driver. But they did not beat it, the driver because he was a, a simple soldier. But in half an hour, 40 minutes, the special unit in black uh, clothes and uh, white hats with special uh, protective uh, plexiglass arrived and they started to hit us, to beat us, and to, they applied the, the tear gas. And many of my colleagues, student colleagues, were, uh, were kept, were arrested, and they were transported to the Securitate, interrogated, beaten, and they, the Securitate had a very clear, uh, very clear intention to force these people to sign a declaration that they are paid by the Hungarian Secret Service and in fact they are not real Romanians but they are agents of countries which are Romania's enemies which of course was false so most of them uh, most of them refused but I have a friend Mr. Arpad Gozdo who was taken next day in the morning together with Mr. Turkish and his family um, from the church. And Mr. Gazda stayed three days in the Securitate cells. He was beaten for three days and he was tried to, to, to be forced to sign a declaration that he is a Hungarian spy. And he said, no, no, I'm a student and I've been there because I think that we desire a better life. And he was beaten and of, luckily he survived. And um, uh, he is now a journalist, a very good journalist. But that's how democracy began for him.
Yeah. And meanwhile, um, and in fact, because uh, I've interviewed uh, Arpad, and he, he was in the church when, um, when uh, Mr. Turkish was arrested. He was arrested right in front of the altar, and uh, Arpad noticed that as he was taken out, there was blood on his head, um, and uh, Turkish was then taken. Now, where, tell us about where he was taken. Yes, uh, he was taken in a car. He was separated from his wife, who was pregnant in the seventh month. And first, he thought that he will be bringed, he will be transported to the border at the forest and he will be shot. But when the car started to Arad, and then to Nagyvárad, Oradea, and then to, to Salaj, to Mineu, he realized that in fact the scenario was to transport him to Mineu, to the small village where his bishop tried to move him by force, and he refused. And they transported him and his wife to Mineo. He was interrogated for two days. He was not beaten. Later, he found out that he was not beaten because Ceausescu wanted to force him or to convince him to stand in the front of the camera and to say that I believe that communist is nice and I support Ceausescu. So this was the plan. That's why he was not beaten on his face to prove that everything is fine and uh, he turned uh, to support the communists. And luckily, um, the revolution in Timisoara started because after the, the news, when Mr. Turkish was transported, more and more students and more and more workers came out to the street. So on the 17th, Yes, on the 17th and on the, uh, this is, I think this is later than 17th, because uh, in the 17th, let's say one third of this crowd was here on this uh, square. This is the main square of Temeshwar in the front of the opera, the famous opera square. We were surveilled by a, a helicopter, a chopper. And on the 17th, I've seen the first man shot on his, his shoulder, he was shot. I stayed in the front of the opera, somewhere like 50 meters in the front of the opera, and he was coming from a small street, uh, helped by somebody, and he, he was helped to a car, which car brought him to the, uh, to the hospital. Right. And then the, the tanks arrived, Timishwara. It was terrible. The terrible fact was on, on the 16th, let's return for a day, when we returned to the uh, dormitory, to the student campus, and I went inside the campus and I tried to explain to my colleagues what happened. And it was a terrible sign. I, I was very enthusiastic that, come on guys, now it's happening something. Uh, this is a chance. Now it's time to go on the street. Let's go. And they were like, 10, 12 colleagues, but good colleagues uh, who know me, who, who knew me before, and nobody trusted me. 
So the whole thing was so unreal that even those colleagues who were living in Tanashwa, they did not trust me. Only two or three hours later, when more and more reports came, that uh, the crowd first started. So on the 17th uh, and the 18th, the tanks arrived from Lipova because um, from Bucharest, there were clear orders that they should start to shot the people. And the fights on the streets uh, on the, started when uh, people stayed in the front of the tanks and they claimed democracy, they said freedom, freedom, um, etc. And um, the soldiers had the order to shoot. More and more death, of course, was reported. Um, sincerely, I was aware that having a connection with Mr. Turkish, I am in danger. So I went home fast. I made, made my bags and I moved to the house of one of my friends. Uh, and uh, I stayed there three days. But all the night we heard the, the guns, especially the heavy guns, were really noisy. And it, it was a terrible stress because from a, I mean, from a peaceful, uh, normal life to have guns, tanks, and armed vehicles. And the most terrible thing was that we listened the radio and for more than a day, there were no news about the fact that people are dying in Timisoara. Then Radio Free Europe, the BBC, and the Hungarian media also reported uh, that there were riots, I think this is the word what they used, on the streets of Timisoara and some deaths were reported. But the first news was very foggy because uh, nobody had direct information, of course. Mm -hmm. And for us, the most terrible thing was that we cannot send the message. What's, what's happening here? That people are dying here for freedom, and we we could not send the message. We the had message, no. The news got out eventually, and then yes. and then perhaps we could jump to the the famous moment when Ceausescu was giving his speech, and uh, and then realised that people were were shouting, and I believe that one of the things that they were shouting was Timi Shwara. Yes. Uh, and that they recognized that as a place where you know, the revolution was beginning. And, and he looked, he couldn't understand what was happening. And there's a very well often seen video of Ceausescu standing there and you know, giving his boring speech about how marvelous socialism was, and then realizing that the crowd was shouting and things were happening which were not under his control. And there he is with his, his hands up with uh, um, you know, saying, stop, what are you doing? And, uh, and Timishwara was one of the things, at least, that the crowd was, was shouting. Exactly, because Timishwara was the symbol of resistance, the symbol of fight against communism. And Timishwara became the first free city in uh, Romania 
after the commander of the tank unit refused to apply the orders. So that was the moment when a part of the officers turned on the side of the people and refused to kill innocent people, unarmed innocent people. So from psychological point of view, these officers, these brave officers risked their lives because in case of, in a few days, they would be dead. In case of uh, Ceausescu was able to start a civil war, then the whole team of the officers would be dead, of course, because it was an emergency situation. It was, a, it was declared like in the war. And the order was clear that they should kill the Hungarian agents. I met two years ago the commander of the tank unit. And he said that from Bucharest, they got the orders that they should kill the Hungarian uh, agents who came for diversion. And he convoked the officers and he said, there is no foreign spy on the streets, only our people, our fathers, our mothers, our brothers, so it's our nation. We refused to kill them. So that was the point when the army uh, turned and people started to, to say very loud, Armata e kunoi, the army is with us, the army is with us. From psychological point of view, it was, uh, that was the moment when they realized that the freedom could be achieved. So mm. we were on the street and we, we cried. So it, it was frenetic. It, it was fantastic, that yeah. feeling. And, um, and if we could, uh, uh, oh, there's a, a picture of people celebrating on the, having got hold of a tank. But um, can we perhaps uh, jump back to what was happening to, to Laszlo Turkish, to the man who had, was at the beginning of all this? And what was he, I, I mean, I interviewed uh, um, Mr. Turkish uh, two years ago, and uh, I remember he said, that the security agents, here he was in Minu, and uh, he, the security agent said to him, you know, we're going to have to torture you. And so uh, more or less tomorrow, we, you know, your torture begins. And then the next day, instead of torturing him, uh, he was invited to lunch. Yes. Um, and um, this is a picture of him uh, after he'd been told, you know, you're all, we're not going to torture you. Exactly. <laughs> he told me this is an army man, not a security man. Yes. Um, and... and and this army man was that um, they realized that the situation was changing rather dramatically. Yes, exactly. And it is clear that an important part of the Securitate turned his face from Ceausescu to Iliescu. And this is why um, some analysts are criticizing the whole procedure because from Timisoara, the revolution which was started, it was an anti-communist revolution and anti-securitate revolution. In Bucharest, of course, there were fights and uh, the new power, the second liners of the former communist party, Mr. 
Ion Iliescu and the others, they took the power and they knew how to turn also the Securitate. I mean, that's why not even now we don't know who were the terrorists because Mr. Iliescu and the others said that we should fight the terrorists. And uh, we don't know who were the terrorists and why after Iliescu and the others took the power, more than 1,000 people died after Ceausescu was killed and practically in the country uh, there were fights, but who fought? In fact, uh, some units of the Securitate with other units of the army. So very dubious things happened and it is not exaggerated to say that the new power could be accused by crimes against humanity. So those organizations who represent the revolutionaries, they claim year by year the documents to be opened, the journal of the army, the uh, command journal of the army. One of the leaders of the revolutionaries made a hunger strike for more than 100 days. He almost died just to find out the truth. So yeah. the truth is not found out, not even now. And many of the analysts are saying that the second line communists took the power that's why they, they steal the, the revolution. Yeah, um, now I'm going to take some of the questions now. We've, we've got a few questions that are up, and um, one of them is rather on this point. Have the, from Andrew, have the major communist criminals been brought to justice? If not, why not? And where are they now? That's a good question. What if you, I mean, after the revolution, the new government, they made a process uh, of the uh, officers, but it was uh, just to mislead the people. So in fact, for those crimes, nobody was punished as, and the, 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 the trial of communism did not happen. After 30 years, we could say that very few leaders were punished. Uh, two or three directors of uh, former communist penitentiaries, um, jails, were sentenced. The, of course, they are old people. And the process of the communism did not happen, nor in Romania, and not in Central East Europe. So we could not say after the Nuremberg trial, because the, the 20th century was hit by two totalitarian dictatorships, Nazism and communism. And communism produced much more victims than the Second World War and the Nazism together. And the communism continues to produce victims in many parts of the world. But if we call Europe as a democracy, it's our obligation, moral and, uh, and human obligation, to make the same uh, trial and to, to use the same scale when we judge Nazism and communism. 
So in Romania did not happen this, and that's why um, many people are disappointed because the old leaders reconverted their power. The old Securitate leaders became good, situated and rich capitalists, influential media moguls, and they reconverted their network into uh, another capital, financial and media capital in the so-called democracy. Yeah. So that's why... So we, could, we should say, of course, that uh, Ceausescu himself and his wife were both uh, went through some kind of rather um, peremptory trial and uh, were shot. Yes, that's right. Uh, they were shot. They claimed uh, that uh, they are not judged correctly. It is clear that if they would not be shot, there would be more deaths and more fights because the faithful part of the Securitate, after their uh, execution, the faithful part of the Securitate realized that this is the end, so better to turn and support the new power. And that, that's what, what happened, in fact. And now I've got a question from uh, Doug Shaw saying, at what point did you lose your fear of the state? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not sure at I... What, at what point, Joel, did you personally lose yes. your fear of, of the Securitate, of the state? At what point did you lose your fear? Did you I understand. It was a process. Because first, when I went to meet Mr. Turkish, I realized that somehow this could be risky. Then when he invited us to do the recital, and then to go again to the recital, uh, my parents told me once I come home and I explained what's going on and they told me that, Jolt, you better finish the university because you risk your diploma. And it was true because in 89 they started to cut. There were few uh, lecturers who did not allow us, even our presentation was good. So we realized that we are surveilled and we should stand consequently. So um, I think it was a process, but it is clear that I lost my, 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 uh, my fear when, when I've seen that people gather together and I heard 1,000 people to say libertate. It's a terrible force that you are not alone. It's a terrible force. Is there, um, Andrew asks, is there any figure of the number of murders under the Ceausescu regime since it, since it began, and indeed under communism in Romania from the beginning to the end? Is there any estimate of the number of people who were, were killed uh, under communism in Romania? That's a good question. I mean, during the revolution, the number of killings Officially, it's about uh, 1,400, as far as I remember, but I'm not sure about that. Maybe less, a bit. But more than 1,000, it is clear. Um, in Romania, as far as I know, the number is, is uh, 100,000. So the estimation is, is uh, more than million, 
because after 45, it is estimated that all families had somebody to suffer during the communism. Do not forget that, for example, after the Second World War, they deported all families from the Banat having German origins just because they are Germans. They were moved by the communists exactly like the Jews were moved to Auschwitz. They were moved from uh, Banat to Bergen, not in camps, not in extermination camps, it is right, but they were forced to live in the Bergen thousands. I mean, uh, victims after the revolution of 56, there were more sentences in Romania than in Hungary, death sentences. So uh, I should ask maybe my friend Marius Opera, who is called the archaeologist of the communism and the Securitate, because he knows better. Or I strongly recommend to read uh, the Black Book of Stéphane Courtois, because... Black Book of Communism. The Black Book of Communism, exactly. Because he, 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 he's trying to, to make some estimations. But the murder, the, the scale of the murder and of torture in Romania, as in also in other societies, were on the scale of millions. Yeah. Okay, so uh, another question is, was it fortunate that uh, Mr. Turkish made his objections and, and, and uh, uh, angered the Securitate at that particular moment? In other words, if he had made those preached 10 years before, would he have been just shot and killed? Uh, was it, I mean, there must have been other people who objected to the regime who did not start a revolution, but who died. Is that correct? Is it, was it, you know, I mean, he, he could have been shot, couldn't he? Yes, there are martyrs among the priests, the Protestant or Roman Catholic priests or Greek Catholic priests. So there are many political killings before, that, but the protest of Mr. Turkish was um, in time, it, it was not a singular moment. He started to protest uh, years before. That's why he was removed first from Brasov to Daesh. And then um, Brasov, in fact, he was fired. And then he protested that he had the right to, 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 to serve his community. And then he was in Daesh and then moved to Timisoara, which was considered a weak Protestant community, and he was moved there as a second priest. But the first priest died in a year after he arrived, uh, Mr. Um, priest Otto Peiker. In, in this very lucky circumstances, practically, he became the first priest, and he brought up the community, and the community stand with him. But his protest was uh, was was in time was was a procedure for more than three four years. Yeah, okay, there's a question here from Neil Petrie saying, um, "I'll read it out." But uh, I think that you will find out uh, you will only find out what really happened when you have direct democracy in which people control the 
the political parties. Is there any prospect of such a system such as the Swiss have? Um, uh, and as well, I suppose, yeah, I'll leave that with you. Yeah, I admire the Swiss democracy, sincerely, because uh, in um, many fields, they exercise the direct democracy or in small villages in the cantons. And for us, for Hungarians living in, in Transylvania, um, Switzerland is also an example, uh, best practice example, as uh, four different ethnic groups are able to live together, to manage their ethnic diversity together, and to practice democracy, and not to rule uh, one nation over another. The French, the German, the Italian, and the Ladin um, ethnic group is able to manage a wonderful country. So that's what we want in uh, Transylvania and in Romania. We, we hope that uh, Romania will stop to be a highly centralized country, but the regions will have more power, such as the example of uh, Switzerland. Um, uh, some people uh, have said that the whole revolution, revolution was managed by elements of the Securitate, uh, or, or sometimes some others say that the CIA was involved. What do you think? What do you, what's your view of this? There are many theories. I think uh, Ceausescu and his system was very uncomfortable for the Soviets, for the Americans, for the Europeans, because uh, Ceausescu turned communism into the North Korean style. And uh, of course, uh, Ceausescu had many enemies, but what started in Timisoara was, of, was a revolt of a people, was a, a true revolution, revolution of minds, revolution of, 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 of souls, and the revolution of soul, and the revolution of faith, because we supported a priest who helped by God, trusted by God, finally started the whole thing. Of course, when the revolution arrived in Bucharest, there were many forces trying to influence the new power. And uh, there is a famous movie that uh, when they occupied the TV building, somebody is asking Mr. Iliescu, and now what we are doing? And Mr. Iliescu is saying, what, what? We are going to the Soviet embassy and we present ourselves who we are. It's on the, on the, on the YouTube. I mean, every, everybody can see this. So there were many forces interested to change Romania. What is true that people went out uh, to the street in order to change the system. And this is the revolution. I mean, when people uniting themselves are ready to die for freedom and are ready to change a dictatorship, a communist dictatorship into freedom. So this was a real revolution from this point of view. Of course, a few days later in Bucharest, when they started to arrange the new power and to uh, reorganize the cards, etc., there were many forces to influence. But what we see in Timisoara and what, what happened 
in many cities and in Bucharest was a revolution. Yeah. Um, one, one last question. Um, Andrew follows up by asking, is there any movement or pressure in Romania to bring these people, I mean, he means these communists, to, to book, uh, to, to, to trial, in the same way that Nazi criminals were, were prosecuted? Is there any chance that this may happen or is there any movement to try to make this happen? I think it is a question of political will because there is no matter what color of the government is, but the process of the revolution does not, uh, not, not forwarding. We do not see any steps forward. There is a clear charge against Ionilescu and year by year, the Romanian justice uh, system is accepting to postpone and to delay. So his trial is delayed. He is very old, of course. He is very old. But uh, just read the declarations and the statements of the organizations representing the revolutionaries who are alive and who are living without a leg or without an arm or with a bullet in their body. They are human tragedies and they should not be convinced by any power that those who could be charged should not be charged from political reasons, by political reasons. So the trial of communism is the trial of the revolution in Yes. Because the second liners, the communist second liners, took the power in 89 December and in 1990, and uh, they are defending themselves. So I hope that soon or later, but I hope soon, uh, this process will start. Yeah. Okay, Georges, well, I think that's uh, probably where we should stop. Um, thank you very much indeed for a brilliantly lucid description of, of uh, what happened. Uh, it is an amazing story that one priest can begin a revolution just by talking um, and, then it, it, and then crystallize the feelings of thousands of people, in fact, millions of people throughout Romania that that regime had been a disaster. Um, I should mention before we go that please uh, to see our website, if you haven't seen it already, where you can, that leads you to lots of things that we have done and may be of interest. We please do subscribe on the website for updates and uh, to know about any future events. And you might even want to go to the donate button uh, to help uh, finance us to uh, develop and expand our mission, which is to tell the true history of what happened under, under communism. So for the time being, thank you very much, Schultz. Thank, thank you for those, those people who have attended and, uh, and have a very good night to you. Thank you.